And good morning to you. And not only those who are here present, but those who are in the in the hall there, I say good morning to you. I can see some of you through the doors. Blessings on you. Yes, way, that's lovely. And also a special greeting to those who are at home and uh, looking at this service online. May the Lord bless you, even though we are separated by some distance. This morning, I want to read to you from the book of Genesis, chapter 41. And I'm going to read a selection of verses from verse 14 through to verse 40. This is Genesis, chapter 41, commencing verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. He'd been in jail. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the, first, up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of, follow, of famine will follow them. 
Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. It's an amazing reading, isn't it? Uh, Cheryl and I had the privilege to go to the land of Egypt a few years ago, just before COVID came, and we travelled along the Nile River and we went to the places that are mentioned in this area of the book of Genesis. And so for this week and next week, I want us to look at the lives of two men. Both are called Yosef. And we're going to see what insights and lessons we can learn from them that will help us to be the people God has called us to be. And I make no apology. Let me do this now. I make no apology that this week and next week, I particularly want to address the men in the congregation. Not that you ladies are being ignored, I'm not ignoring you. But the lessons to be learned from this man Joseph and the man Joseph next week are lessons particularly for men in our congregation today. And so this morning I want us to consider the life as Joseph as recorded for us in the book of Genesis in chapters 37 to 50. And to be sure, the biblical record of the life of Joseph is a wonderful story of a man who listened to God and was directed and blessed by God in some amazing ways. He served his family, 
He served the nation of Egypt and was part of God's fulfillment of the promise God made to his great-grandfather Abraham. Now, as you, as you probably remember, Joseph was the son of Jacob. Well, we're not working. It's on. We'll just wait till our technicians uh, connect us up here. I think we might just have to do it manually. Just go to screen number two, please. Oh dear, is this what you call a pregnant pause? <laughs> okay, let's try it again. Ah, thank you. Thank you very much. That's good. As you probably remember, Joseph was the son of Jacob and Rachel, and he was the 11th of the 12 sons of Jacob, as recorded for us in Genesis 35. And the stories of Joseph's life began in the Bible record when he was 17 years of age. Anybody here this morning who is 17 years of age? Not yet. There are a few who are younger and a few who have now passed that illustrious milestone. Well, Joseph was 17 years of age when the Bible first records the events of his life. In fact, as I mentioned, the stories of his life are recorded in 13 chapters of the book of Genesis. And from this record, we can develop a timeline of the events of his life and service for God. When he was 17, because of sibling jealousies, he was cruelly abused and betrayed by his brothers and betrayal that eventually saw him being sold into slavery. How would you like some brothers like that? He was taken to Egypt and he was bought by a man called Potiphar, who was an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Joseph was late, later falsely accused and imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. And in the years he spent in prison, he gained the confidence of his jailer and was entrusted with certain responsibilities as an administrator in the jail. When he was with Potiphar and the family, they prospered. When he was with the jailer in the jail, he prospered. At 30 years of age, because he was gifted by God to interpret dreams, he was made the Pharaoh's overseer, the second highest position of honour and responsibility in Egypt. And according to Genesis 41, 47, 
Following his elevation to this high office, it was his responsibility to secure Egypt's well-being during seven years of excellent cropping conditions before seven years of drought and famine. Seven years of drought, seven years of famine. Has the world seen anything like that since? Yes, they have, particularly in parts of Africa. Because of Joseph's God-given wisdom, he used the time of plenty to store and secure huge food reserves for the nation of Egypt. He built huge barns, bigger than the ones that we've got in Western Victoria. You know, the painted silos and everything. They are nothing compared with the storage facilities that Joseph built. And when Joseph was 39 years of age, in the second year of famine, that is nine years after he was made overseer, Joseph revealed his, his true identity to his brothers who had come to Egypt for aid. After two years of famine, they had run out of all their food reserves. They came to Egypt because they heard that Egypt had food. And because of his position of high honour, Joseph was able to be a blessing to his brothers who had betrayed him and sold him into slavery to secure their well-being during the, the time of famine. And finally, we know that Joseph was 110 years of age when he died. From this record of his life, one wonders how he survived the injustices done to him and how he kept his mental health intact. We can only assume it was his faith in God and the assurances God gave to him along the way. And we can only surmise that it was these experiences, some of which were very harsh, that contributed to him becoming a man of faith, a man of integrity, a man of strong character, a man of determination, and a man of great wisdom. For this morning, I want us to focus on the record of Joseph in chapter 41, when he was enabled to interpret one of Pharaoh's dreams, the dream that saw him rise to the position of enormous power, responsibility and authority in Egypt. But as we do look at this, the first question that we should ask is, who is or who was this Pharaoh. Now, obviously, scholars are not in agreement because of the various interpretations of Egyptian dating, co-regencies, and what is called the Sothic cycle. But almost all scholars agree that these events took place in the time of the 12th dynasty. And the datings are around about 
well, 1,900 BC to 1,700 BC, give or take a few dec decades either side. Now, I'm sorry that those who are at home, you won't be able to see the screens that I'm putting up. But the pharaohs of the 12th dynasty, I've got them listed on the screen here. Um, this is information that I have gleaned off the internet. You won't find this exact chart on the internet because I've included the variance of dates. Uh, there are different charts on the internet, but they seem to just give one date and everybody disagrees or has a different idea. I've tried to incorporate all of the different ideas. But these pharaohs of the 12th dynasty, there was Amenemhat, Sesostris, Amenemhat II, Sesostris II, Sesostris III, Amenemhat III, Amenemhat IV, and then Queen Sebekneferu. What do you think of those names? <laughs> Pretty good, aren't they? And somewhere in that range from 1991 to 1756, everyone is in agreement, there was Joseph. Now, as I said, different scholars assign different dates. What we do know is that the pharaohs of the 12th dynasty ruled at a place called Thebes. Have you heard of Thebes? Yes. Which modern day is now called Luxor. And Cheryl and I walked through the ruins of Luxor. We saw where these pharaohs had ruled. If you can put in your mind Egypt, the nation of Egypt, Cairo is at the northern end of Egypt, at the southern end of the delta of the Nile River. But if you travel the Nile River south and halfway through Egypt, that's where Luxor is today. That was the city of Thebes. That was the capital area of the 12th dynasty of Egypt. And you can hop on a lovely boat and go down the Nile River and they stop at various places and you can go and see these ancient temples and palaces and everything like that. And I think that I should get a little bit of a commission from the, from the um, tour agents for that commercial. The biblical arguments that enable us to develop a time frame for Joseph are found in 1 Kings 6 verse 1 and Exodus 12 verse 40. And as we read in 1 Kings 6 verse 1, the Exodus occurred 480 years prior to the fourth year, the fourth year of Solomon's reign. I quote, and it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel. Now, history tells us with a somewhat degree of certainty 
that Solomon ruled from 970 to 931 BC. So his fourth year would be 966 BC. And this places the commencement of the Exodus at 1446 BC. The second reading is from Exodus 12 verse 40, which tells us that Jacob and his family went to Egypt 430 years before the Exodus. And I'll quote from the, the, the scripture. The sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. It's very exacting, isn't it? Therefore, Jacob's family arrived in Egypt around about 1876 BC. According to biblical dating, we can be pretty sure of that date one or two years either side, 1876 BC, by which time Joseph was already in charge of the nation's granaries and had been so for nine years. From this data, the strong contenders for the pharaohs whose, for the pharaoh whose dreams were interpreted by Joseph are either Amenemhaten or Sesostris II. And it's thought that Joseph continued to serve during the reigns of Sesostris III and possibly Amenemhat IV. Oh, sorry, Amenemhat III. But these stories of Joseph are not just about historical and archaeological records. They reveal a man who not only remained in touch with God, but who also learned to rely on God. And aren't these the foundations of a vital life of faith? To learn to rely on God and to remain in touch with God. Despite his many early difficulties and injustices, Joseph was God's man to rescue Egypt and the surrounding people from a famine that even today would cripple many nations and economies. And the amazing thing is that it was God who set in motion his rescue plan long before anyone knew a severe drought was coming. And that tells us something about the person and the nature of God. God knows our future. And for those who trust in him, he sets in train his plans long before we're in any situation of difficulty or strife. We can trust God to go before us. And despite Joseph's rejection and betrayal by his brothers, despite the many hardships, injustices and lies that he faced by being a slave and then a prisoner, 
God was with Joseph and blessed him wherever he was sent. Did Joseph grumble or complain with all of this hardship and injustices? There's no record of it. Instead, he trusted in the Lord and the Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph and made him fruitful in the midst of his afflictions. Genesis chapter 39, verse 20 to 21. Read it. Meditate on it. God was with Joseph and made him fruitful in the midst of the hardships and difficulties. Wherever Joseph lived, whether it be in Potiphar's house or in prison, God made Joseph also a blessing to others. And they were fruitful because of Joseph's faithfulness. And they knew it. They knew it. It was in these first 13 years of Joseph's life in Egypt that he learned an invaluable lesson that has implications for us even today. Joseph learned that God can teach us valuable life lessons and enhance our skills in the midst of rejection and other afflictions. Men, men, listen to what has been revealed to you here in the book of Genesis. God is with you if you're prepared to listen to him and learn from him. Get serious with him today. Joseph learned that faith in God is not an airy-fairy idea. It's not just for the women on the Sunday, you know? Joseph learned that God has very practical implications for our lives today. Like Joseph, it can be in times of hardship that we can develop life skills that will later prove to be invaluable, not only to us, but to others around, to those around us, as we take hold of God-given opportunities and use them to serve God. Don't just think, oh, well, that was fortunate. That was interesting. Oh, that was lucky. But think, what is God saying in this situation? What is God saying to me? What can I learn? Yes, even in times of great hardship and difficulty or through times of testing and affliction, God can make us a blessing to others. As Joseph later revealed to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, 
You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many souls. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish his purposes. Kind of gets you thinking about situations that come into our lives. And at the time we may think, oh, that's terrible. Oh, I hate that. But maybe God is in that and teaching us something if we're prepared to listen. Human experiences such as rejection, betrayal, lies, hardships, loss of a job, death of a loved one. These are always painful and maybe some of the more difficult challenges that we may face in life. But no matter how bad these times may be, God can still bless us and God can still make us fruitful, just like he did for Joseph. How we handle these times of preparation and training will determine how fruitful we will be through them. Fruitful not merely for ourselves, but also for those who may look to us or who may depend upon us. During these years of hardship, Joseph's faith in God was evident by his courage and his determination to make the most of whatever circumstance in which he found himself. God gave to Joseph the gift of interpreting dreams and he learned to accept disappointments and he learned to wait on God as evidenced by the fact that for two years, the Pharaoh's chief butler forgot what Joseph had done for him. And Joseph stayed in the prison for two more years. As we read in Genesis 41, the time came when Pharaoh had some dreams which none of his advisors or magicians could understand. But finally, after two years, thanks to the chief butler remembering Joseph, he was called into Pharaoh's presence and was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams and God's message within them. There is yet another lesson for us here today. In times of being forgotten or overlooked, like Joseph, we are to be patient and to keep trusting the Lord and he will lift us up at the right time, at his right time. God will never forget you because his plans are far more reaching than merely what we can see or discern in the here and now. As we read in Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favourite passages, 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Men, those words are for you today. If you get nothing else out of this message today, let the words of Jeremiah 29.11 ring in your ears. God has a plan for you wherever you are in your life. God has a plan for you. You have to have the courage to seek him and to discern his plan. At the age of 30 years, Joseph was assigned the huge task of saving the nation of Egypt and the surrounding world from the famine that was to come. Because God had prepared him and gifted him, Joseph was enabled to manage the task that was assigned to him. In his life's journey, Joseph went from being the favoured son of Jacob to a favoured slave of Potiphar to the favoured prison, prisoner and finally the favoured overseer in the land of Egypt. The question I have for you today is, what has God planned for your future. And the only way you will ever know if you is if you decide to always be God's person, not just on a Sunday, but every day of the week when you wake up, say to yourself, today I am, I am God's man. That's where I stand. And nothing will dissuade me from that. I am God's person today, just like Joseph. Wherever God may lead me, I am God's man. In the face of whatever circumstances that God may bring across my path, I am God's man. And I will not turn away. Joseph is a wonderful example to us of someone who was God's man. And I pray that we will learn the lessons from Joseph today. Praise God for the life and the witness of this man, Joseph. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word speaks to us powerfully. Thank you for this man, Joseph, for all that he endured. But thank you that he was open to your leading and guiding and you proved yourself to him time and time and time again. Lord, help us to learn these lessons. Help us to apply them in our own lives. And may we truly be your people, called according to your purposes. We have purpose and meaning and we thank you in Jesus' name today. Amen.